to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Our lesson this morning comes from the third chapter of the book of Philippians. Um, if you ever wanted to know that Paul was a preacher, all you got to look at is the first verse of the third chapter of Philippians where Paul says, finally, and he goes on for two more chapters. That proves Paul was a preacher. But I'm starting in the third chapter with the fourth verse. If anyone else has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, born of the Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Captain J.T. Weatherly joined the police force in 1933. And trust me in a minute, there will pop a picture up of Captain Weatherly, I hope. When he joined the police force... He worked seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Through the course of the Great Depression and through most of World War II, Captain Weatherly took no vacations, had very few days off. He was on duty when I had my first skirmish with the law. I am a firstborn child, and it is the job, indeed, the function and the duty of the firstborn child to teach the ways of living to all the younger siblings. And I took my task seriously. I always gotten up early in the morning, and I would get up early in the morning and go see my brother, my brother Murray. I've called him Bubba his whole life. Bubba and I are 16 months apart. And my task as older brother was to explore the kitchen 
and take whatever I found that was good and worthy, dump it into Bubba's crib, then jump in behind the crib, behind the food, and Bubba and I would have a feast. Then my parents would get up and there would be whatever parents would do. The family legend is that one day I went into Bubba's crib, which was a white crib with white sheets, a white pillow, white blankets, and I got the blackberry cobbler out of the refrigerator and dumped it into the crib jumped in right behind it. And before mom could catch us with a Polaroid, that's what you had to do back in the olden days. You actually had to walk around with a camera to catch a picture. I mean, it was a great picture. There we were, both of us eating blackberry cobbler with our little fists. The bed was never the same, I'm told. My adventures, though, became misadventures as I grew and I became even more... um, able to climb and able to get into stuff. I I found out one morning that lighter fluid and flannel pajamas don't mix well together when you're filling up your dad's cigarette lighter and then you test it to make sure it works. Never did understand how those pajama bottoms caught on fire, but they went poof. Then there was the morning I discovered that If you eat a whole bottle of St. Joseph baby aspirin, which were quite tasty, they do this lavage thing to you at the hospital that's quite gross, you know? I was such a dumb kid, that happened to me twice. But Captain Weatherly was on duty the morning that I went in about 6.30 and told Bubba, Bubba, let's go to the front porch. I'm three years old by this time and Bubba can climb and he can walk and we can go to other places other than the crib for our adventure. So I had gotten into the refrigerator and one of the first things I learned how to manually operate was one of those steel crooked over bottle top openers. I'll show you the scar one day on this arm where I was practicing. I had opened a bottle of Slits beer. And I took the Slits and my baby brother, and there we were sitting by the front door of the house drinking a Slits. And along came Captain J.T. Weatherly in his patrol car. And he saw two little boys on the front porch with a suspicious-looking bottle. And he stopped. And he flipped on his lights. And he got out of the car and he walked up to us. Good morning, boys. What are you doing? And my baby brother, who didn't know he could plead the fifth, said, we're drinking beer. Hmm. Well, Captain J.T. Weatherly knocked on the back door, 
Got my parents out there. I don't know what happened next. I don't know if there was a summons or a ticket or what happened. But I was busted, caught. My first run-in with the law, underage drinking. I mean, that looks really good on a preacher's resume, does does it not? Law, underage drinking. I, I think I'll have to add that to my ministerial resume. But here Paul is, and he's reading to us his spiritual resume. He says, if any have confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a good Jewish boy was to be circumcised on the eighth day. Because Paul tells us this, it meant his parents were good Jewish parents. They were doing the things that parents are supposed to do. They were bringing him to the synagogue and going to hook him up with the rabbi. The rabbi was going to circumcise him. There would be a party and all the neighborhood could come out and say, oh, what good parents you are because you circumcised this boy at eight days. He was a member of the people of Israel. The Greek word actually says he was a member of the race of Israel. There is no Gentile blood in him. There are no Amorites, Hittites, Hivites, Jebusites, or Gergesites in him. He is a pure Jew. And he wants everybody to know it. He is of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the smaller but more faithful tribes. The first king of Israel came from the tribe of Benjamin. Oddly, his name was Saul. And we wonder if Saul of Tarsus was named after King Saul of Israel. He was a Hebrew born of the Hebrews. Now, you understand that phrase. It sounds kind of pious, a Hebrew born of the Hebrews. You say it like this. You can take take the boy out of Alabama, but you can't take Alabama out of the boy. Or when they cut me, I bleed. What colors do you bleed when they cut you? Yes, I bleed red, crimson blood. Some of you bleed a shade of blue. Some of you bleed purple and gold. Some of you are Saints fans, you bleed black and gold. You see, we do that all the time. I'm a Cajun and proud of it. That's what Paul is saying. He's proud of his cultural heritage. He is proud to be a Hebrew born of the Hebrews. As to the law of Pharisee, he's a conservative. He's a Bible-believing conservative. He believes in the true word of God, The first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. He's not like those liberal Sadducees that believe in all the other books. Paul believes the way you're supposed to believe. As to zeal, he so loved his Judaism, he persecuted the church. As to righteousness under the law, Blameless. Blameless. Paul's already used this word twice. We looked at it last week where Paul said that as Christians we need to put away murmuring and arguing and be blameless and innocent so that we might shine like stars in the world. In the first chapter he told the church they needed to be pure and blameless. There's something about being that level of blameless. He has achieved a level of sinlessness. Blameless. Do you know about blameless? You have met blameless. 
when you ask your child what happened to your bedroom and they go, I don't know, they're expressing innocent blameless. They don't know what happened. Somebody else did it. There's another guy in the New Testament that, that is blameless. Hear the story from the 10th chapter of Mark's gospel. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. He said, teacher, I've kept all of these since my youth. I'm blameless. I am a good, righteous, blameless boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus didn't contradict him. Jesus didn't say, oh, you're a sinner. Jesus looked at him and loved him because he was a good, moral, decent, righteous, blameless young man. We know him as the rich young ruler. Man, he's got everything. He's rich. He can buy stuff. He can go places. He can peddle influence. He's got all the privilege and power and prestige that money can buy. He's young. Oh, I want to be 25 again, but only if I know what I know now. You know, it'll happen to you one day. You'll, You'll reach an age where you bend over to tie your shoe and you look to see if there's something else you can do while you're down there. Because you just don't want to get up and down. Oh, I want to be young. I want to be able to hear again and see again and do all those things I could do. He's rich, he's young, he's a ruler, he's got power and prestige, he's got everything. But Jesus said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And we know what happens. The guy turns away and goes away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Jesus is not condemning wealth. Jesus is not condemning money. Jesus is telling the guy, you're trusting in your resume. You think your resume, being a good boy, is going to get you into heaven and going to cause you to inherit eternal life. We do that. We live off of our resume. Even we Methodists are kind of like the Apostle Paul. Man, we can quote you our resume. We have a church resume. Let's see how this works out. I have been a United Methodist now for 40 years. How many of you, by show of hands, I will not ask for an altar call, how many of you, by show of hands, were something else before you became a Methodist? Something else before you came? Okay, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. All righty. I love my friends that tell me they were members of the Disciples of Christ because before they became Methodist. They always say it like this. I was a Christian before I became a Methodist. <laughs> how many of you always been Methodist? Okay, boy, we're about even that something else and then Methodist. Now, this is the higher one up on the pecking order. How many of you have always been members of Trinity? 
Go ahead, go ahead, don't we? Oh, always, look at that, okay. You see, there is a hierarchy of church membership. There's the outcast, came in, mm-hmm. There's the Methodist, uh, they're Methodist, but they joined. The, then there's always Trinity. And they're higher. Man, we in the Methodist church talk our Methodist language. We get so holy that our parents conceived us on a UMM, UMW sponsored UMCOR VIM trip, huh? We go, oh, they must be a good Methodist. And we in the Methodist church are really good at helping you work on your spiritual resumes. We know how to help you work on your resumes. We have Bible study. You want a Bible study? We've got a Bible study. We've got all kinds of Bible studies. You want a long Bible study? We've got disciple Bible study, 32 weeks. You want a short Bible study? We have disciple Bible study, 12 weeks. It's called the Cliff Notes version of disciple Bible study. We have people on the staff that write their own Bible study. We have Bible studies breaking out in the church office. I've been a pastor now for 40 years. I've never had staff come in and say, we have a Bible question. I was thrilled. Most of the time, they want to know what to do when the air conditioning won't turn on. I say, talk to Phil. He knows how to do it. I'm still getting lost coming out of closets and classrooms. I have to pretend somebody's in there that I was talking to. Thank you. We have small groups. I love it. It is so great that Trinity has small groups. Too many Methodist churches. We got started with small groups. Classes, bands, societies. Check them out. John Wesley started them. And the Methodists gave them up. The Pentecostals stole them from us. And now they've got growing, thriving churches doing what? Methodist small groups. Want a small group? We can hook you up. We can keep you on the very slow path to sanctification. We can Bible study you. We can small group you. We can give you a spiritual gifts inventory. Ah, you've been through that. I know you're a Methodist church. They gave you a spiritual gifts inventory. And then they handed you some survey right with the financial campaign. What would you like to do in the church? We didn't give you the two pieces of paper together. So you could see your spiritual gifts and how they might line up with what the church was doing. We were just filling out Methodist paperwork because we do everything meet right in our bounden duty. I've never seen the book of the uh, spiritual gift of calligraphy until I got to the Methodist church. We can help you fix your resume. Man, we can hook you up. You can go to any church on a Methodist resume. And look impressive. We can teach you about covenant discipleship. We can send you to Weekend of the Cross, VIM trips. We can do it all. But we're not very good at talking to you about coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh oh. We are not very good on the front end of the transaction. 
Methodist churches, the ones that Wesley started and the ones that came to America had an interesting piece of furniture. It was called a mourner's bench. The mourner's bench was across the front of the church. And if during the preaching of the sermon, the Holy Spirit convicted you of sin and you felt like a dirty, rotten, crummy sinner and you wanted some relief from that feeling, you went and threw yourself on the mourner's bench, crying, sobbing, wailing, and the elders of the church would come right in the middle of the sermon or right in the middle of the singing. They would come, they would pray with you, they would talk to you about faith in Jesus Christ. They would help you become a Christian. And we go, "Uh uh-uh. Let's let some other denomination do that. And once they become a Christian, bring them into the Methodist church and we'll help them work on their resume. But we don't want to talk about this messy part of it because when you get sinners in the church, you get drunks, people on drugs, people who are homeless, people who just came off the tennis court or people who just walked off the golf course. Sinners come in all shapes and sizes and flavors and way of dress. But they all have one thing in common. They've been busted. They've been caught in their sin. They are guilty before a holy God. And they have no way out. So here's your homework assignment. As we start back to school, yes, I give homework assignments. Your homework assignment is due one year from now. Is that enough time? Don't tell me the dog ate your assignment. One year from now, I want you to find a sinner. Find a sinner. Find somebody that doesn't come to church. Okay? Now, I want to tell you, sinners do hang out in church, but the majority of them are someplace else, so I'm giving you the permission to go someplace else. Find a sinner, befriend that sinner authentically. Get to know their name, get to know their family, get to know what they do, get to know what they're passionate about. Learn that sinner, become an authentic, true friend of the sinner. And a year from now, I'll tell you what point two of your homework is. How hard was that? I want you to get to know some people who don't ordinarily hang out in church. Now, folks who are members of Trinity and those of you who are watching on television, suddenly, if you're accosted by a bunch of friends from people from Trinity who want to be your friend, guess what? You are the sinner. Go with it. We are so good at helping people build their spiritual resumes. We are cowards when it comes to talking to them about faith in Jesus Christ. We freeze up. We're going to learn how to do that together, and we're going to start talking about faith in Christ and learn how to invite people to church. And more than that, learn how to invite people to Christ. Because these people who've been busted need to be blessed. And only Christ can bless them. Only Christ can forgive them. Only Christ can set them free. Captain J.T. Weatherly busted me when I was three years old there on the front porch. 
drinking beer. He did something else that really changed my life. He blessed me. In 1965, Captain J.T. Weatherly was told by the police force, you're 78 years old, it's time for you to retire. And so after 32 years as a police officer, he retired. What I didn't tell you is I knew Captain J.T. Weatherly by another name. He was Papa. He was my maternal grandfather. And Papa went into the hospital early in November, very ill. He would not come out of the hospital. And I had been begging my mama, let me go see Papa. Take me to see Papa. And finally, she relented and, and drug me to Bank Street Hospital, and they took me to Papa's room. And I didn't get too close to the bed because it had all those tubes and machines and things. But Papa saw me. And he said, Son, I love you. You've been a good grandson, and I'm proud of you. Now be a good boy. There's Papa. Be a good boy. And listen to your mama. Men, men, the Bible says that you have the power to bless. The gift of blessing is given uniquely to the men. Guys, are you blessing your children? Are you telling them that you love them? Are you telling them you're proud of them? Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org. That's what sinners are looking for too. People have been bought.